0: We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you listen, watch, discuss. Enjoy the show. Real quick, guys, before we get on to the episode, I'd like to point out that as with pretty much everything that I review on my podcast, there will be spoilers for the first season of Inside Job and the fifth season of Big Mouth. So if you haven't seen either of these seasons yet, uh, I suggest watching them first and then coming back and listening to this episode. Uh, but if you don't care about spoilers and you want to hear my thoughts on, on the seasons first and then go and watch them for yourself, then by all means, you can. So with that out of the way, let's get on to the review. Hey everyone, welcome back to Listen, Watch, Discuss. As always, I'm your host, Bern Akin, and on tonight's episode, I will be reviewing... Two of Netflix's adult animated series, the first season of their newest adult cartoon, Inside Job, and the fifth season of one of their longer running adult cartoons, Big Mouth. And um, I guess we'll start off with uh, Inside Job. So, Inside Job uh, premiered on Netflix a few weeks ago. It dropped uh, October 22nd, and uh, it was just uh, one season, 10 episodes, standard deal for Netflix shows. And, um, it was, uh, I was curious about it, uh, ever since they announced it, uh, I think it was like a year ago, or a year and a half ago, but, um, it, because, uh, Alex Hirsch, the creator of another cartoon I really love, it's not an adult cartoon, but, uh, the animated series Gravity Falls, he worked on that, he created that show, and he also voiced several characters on that show, and, um... And when I heard he was working on that show, I'm like, or when I heard he was working on this show, I said to myself, I'm like, oh, okay, this is probably going to be really interesting then because I love Gravity Falls. So I'm like, and this, and based on the poster, uh, which was a pretty interesting poster, it was basically just the characters with their eyes like scratched out, like surround, basically sitting at like this big round table having a meeting and there was this big, screen lighting up the dark room they were in. I'm like, "Oh, this looks very mysterious and strange and you know, like it, it and looks like it and fun, you know, kind of like how Gravity Falls was." So I'm like, "Oh, this should be pretty good." But uh but yeah, he didn't and even though he didn't create the show, uh Alex Hirsch didn't create the show. He does voice uh a few of the recurring and background characters in the show, like some of the characters that pop up here and there, from time to time, and he is also, I believe, he's an executive producer on the show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, he is an executive producer, along with Mike Hollings- Hollingsworth and the creator, of the sh- and the creator of the show, Shion Takuchi, Ta- 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 Takuchi, Ta- Takuchi. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I apologize if I'm butchering uh, her last name, but uh, but yeah, so. The show is about this scientist named Reagan Ridley and her team of coworkers as as they work at this shadow government organization called Cognito Inc., which uh, I thought was a pretty clever pun in Cognito Inc., but uh, but they basically work at this uh, place called Cognito Inc., and their job is pretty much to uh, just cover up every conspiracy theory that's ever come to light, like any conspiracy theory that anyone's ever thought of. Uh, that's true. They're all true. Except, well, except for like a couple in the show that they, that they, uh, make fun of and they're like, no, wait, that never actually happened. But, uh, but most like 90% of the conspiracy theories that's ever, that have ever come to pass have actually, um, do actually exist and, or did actually happen or are, are legit in, uh, in Inside Job. Like from, uh, Bigfoot to reptilian uh shapeshifters, shapeshifters, to uh the real person who shot JFK, you know, like there's a the, and and they and what I like about the show is uh not only is it uh very funny, but I also like uh it's very unique and it's very I mean it is an it's it is a comedy, you know, and, and it is an adult animated comedy. Uh or an adult animated series that happens to be a comedy. Which, you know, isn't really new in the realm of adult animation, but it is cool to see, um, this, it's cool to see, like, a workplace comedy, uh, in an adult, uh, in, in an adult animated series, because we don't really get that too often. I think maybe the closest we've gotten to, that I can think of, is, uh, Bob's Burgers, because, uh, and even then, that's, that's more of just, like, a family sitcom, I mean, you know, or an an adult, you know, uh cartoon centered on a family, then it is really a workplace comedy. I mean, al- although, you know, their restaurant is in that uh they do live above their restaurant and that that is about where half the episodes take place, so I guess you could kind of technically maybe classify that as a workplace comedy too. But but yeah, but that's pretty much like the the only one that comes to mind that I can think of that's like even remote that's even remotely close to being a workplace comedy but uh but but I really do uh like that aspect of the show because it's uh it's kind of something that like I said you don't see a lot in uh adult animation uh or you know in in adult cartoons, and I also like the like yes, we have seen workplace comedies in general, like you know like the office or brooklyn nine nine or um Thirty Rock, you know, Parks and Rec. There's, you know, there's been a lot of workplace comedies, but I real, but what really makes this one stand out is the location, uh, the environment that they're in, uh, you know, because Cognito Inc. is like this very unique location, this very mysterious organization where there's all kinds of, you know, weird, like like I said, reptilian uh, shapeshifters, uh, Bigfoot. There's a an embryo that lives in the water cooler named Steve. Uh, one of the characters, uh, Mike. He's he's one of uh, the members of Reagan's team. He's a he's a talking, uh, glowing purple giant purple mushroom with six tentacles. Uh, one of the one of the characters, Glenn. One of the one of Reagan's team members as well. He's a half man half dolphin. He's a soldier that basically signed up to uh, fuse his body with that of a dolphin like you know willingly and um you know it's just you know the setting like the location they're in and the uh cast of characters is what makes this stand out from like your average workplace comedy and um and uh every episode of the show has uh some really interesting and unique plots and uh they they throw in a lot of funny jokes like almost rapid fire jokes like one after the other and um and 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 they they're just some really interesting uh concepts uh and and the and pretty much all of them uh involve a conspiracy theory in some way shape or form and they they do some pretty interesting things with uh they they uh do some they pull some unique twists with some of these conspiracy theories and and they incorporate them so well into the plots and they incorporate you know, the jokes so well into... about, you know, the conspiracy theories. They incorporate the jokes about the conspiracy theories so well into the episodes as well. Uh, But, for example, like the uh, second episode, uh, Clone Gunman, is pretty much... uh, we find out, we meet uh, JFK's uh, real killer. It wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. It was uh, Grassy Knoll. Uh, Grassy Knoll Atkinson, who... uh, the reason why he... uh, killed JFK was because uh, he had sex with an alien in Roswell, New Mexico, and the alien was uh, about to give birth uh, through, uh, through JFK and kind of, you know, I guess, uh, infest um, the rest of humanity, the rest of Earth, you know, with alien parasites. So in order to prevent this, he, you know, assassinated JFK. And the whole plot of that episode is pretty much... Uh, the reason why we meet Grassy Noel Atkinson, because uh Reagan and Brett uh, find out from their boss, JR, that Cognito Inc. is out of money, so they're going to have to slash the budget by firing someone. So they end up going with him because he's been there pretty much longer than anyone. And uh, and in order to get him fired, Reagan decides to release a clone of JFK that, you know, because they have like this little uh secret room, you know, where they have uh, clones of like famous celebrities and historical figures and all that and uh and they end up releasing a clone of JFK but he ends up cloning more versions of him and releasing uh a bunch of and releasing all the other clones and uh and then they and then the clones uh after Brett tries to uh <laughs> after he tries to set them on fire with axe with uh, a can of axe and a lighter, they end up merging and becoming one homogenous glob, like this huge giant monster, and that they end up having to, you know, Reagan and her whole team uh, end up having to pretty much destroy the monster, pretty much uh, take him down. All the plots are interesting, too. Uh, every single episode has an inter- has an interesting plot, and I like how they tra- they tie in a conspiracy theory into each episode. Or a conspiracy theory is the basis, you know, or is kinda like the main part of the plot. Uh like like the episodes range from uh one episode is about uh Tomiko, Reagan's mother, uh her wedding getting uh crashed by flat earth protesters to um or flat earth conspiracy theorists, uh to uh the gang, uh Reagan and her team. Uh that's what Brett calls them, the gang. To the gang getting sent to a town stuck in the eighties so they can purposely sell them outdated products to keep gain- uh gaining money from them. Uh to, to um Reagan and Brett finding out going to the moon and finding out that Buzz Aldrin actually lived on the moon or survived on the moon and is uh has built a colony of moon people. Uh you know, has built an entire civilization with people living on the moon in secret from, from the public. And it's, uh, and, 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 you know, they're just very unique and interesting plots. And, um, and the jokes they tell in the episodes are really funny too, both involving the conspiracy theories and just the jokes involving the characters, like interacting with each other. Cause like anytime, cause the, the, like I said, the characters all have very dynamic and unique personalities and they all play very well off of each other. Again, especially Reagan and Brett. um, but uh you know it's just it's very interesting to watch the plots of each episode unfold and to see the characters uh um uh interact to or or, or react to the uh what's going on around them to or react to the situations that they often find themselves in in the episodes another aspect of the show i like is its animation it's very fluid and smooth and and all the characters are very well designed and uh, and and for all the for the rapid fire jokes that they tell, because um, usually it's like one joke right after the other in the show. Uh, and I mean, they're not all like gutbusters, but I mean, a lot of them are very funny. But with with how with how quick the humor is in this show, the animate it helps. Uh, it factors into the like I said, the fluid animation very well. Like it it helps the fluid anima- uh the humor is benefited from the animation being flu as fluid and smooth as it is and as and as fast paced as it is and uh and and speaking of the character designs they they do they're v- they're very uniquely you know uh this show like they're they're u- they're unique to this show uh but if i had to compare them they do look similar to some of the character designs, like, well, not two other characters in specific, I mean, specifically, but, like, they do remind me of, like, if you took the character designs from Rick and Morty and the character designs from Gravity Falls, put them in a blender, and then the end result would be these characters. Uh, Like I said, they still very much look like they belong in in their universe, like, they don't look like they, like, you'd see them in Rick and Morty or Gravity Falls, but... They do, the, their art style and the their design, they remind me very much of, like, those two art styles mashed together. But they still have, like, a unique style of their own. Like, I mean, you, like, watching this show, you couldn't really mistake it for being Rick and Morty or Gravity Falls. Like, if you had never seen those, if you had never seen any of those, those, these three shows, and you were watching Inside Job for the first time, you know, you, um... Or wait, no, let me, let me... Re- start that over. Okay. If you had, if you had seen Rick and Morty and Gravity Falls and then you were watching Inside Job and you had never seen Inside Job, you could very easily tell that it's neither of those shows, but you could, you'd, you'd probably also get a sense of, oh yeah, these, this art style kind of reminds me of the two of these shows mixed together. And, uh, as far as I know, no one on Rick and Morty, um, worked on this sh- on or works on this show. But, uh, I don't know, it just, it just kind of has that look and that feel, like I said, mixed with Gravity Falls, of course, and, um, but yeah, so it, it's, it's very well designed, and, uh, and yeah, like I said, I, I love the concept, and, um, uh, what else can I say about it, and I really like the character development, uh, that Reagan has in particular, because she's basically just like this socially awkward tech genius, and um and she spent like pretty much her entire life trying to prove to her parents you know kind of prove that she can be that she can like rise to the occasion and be a successful you know scientist and be just a successful person in general uh with her life and and career and and so on and so forth you know and uh, and then we have her dad Rand who uh was the co-founder of Cognito Inc along with JR and he ended up getting fired from the company due to his uh impulsiveness and tr- uh getting drunk and trying to blow up the sun to uh prevent anyone from ever getting skin cancer again which uh is insane and kind of and and from that just from that sentence alone kind of you know when when Reagan uh tells her dad Cause he points out in the first episode, he's like, Oh, they're trying to push you out of the company by hiring this new guy, Brett. Uh, they're trying to push you out of the company. Like they did to me. And she says verbatim, she's like, dad, you weren't pushed out. You were fired for getting drunk and trying to blow up the sun. So you could, you know, and, and she's like, why did you do that? And he's like, Oh, what? Well, I, I was trying to solve, I was trying to get rid of skin cancer forever, you know? <laughs> and, um, but just, just from that moment alone, it kind of lets you know what relationship they have. And, um, and what kind of father he is, like just, and what kind of a character he is, you know? And he's, because he's pretty much, he's kind of like Rick, uh, if Rick was a little bit more down to earth, like that's what he, what he reminds me of. And his relationship with Reagan is similar to that of Rick's and Beth's from Rick and Morty, except, uh, maybe not as volatile. Although I will say he does something so shitty at the end of the season that, I was sitting there thinking, thinking like, wow, this is way worse than anything Rick's ever done. And, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it here, but, he, but when you, when you watch the show and you get to the last episode and you see that big reveal of what, uh, Rand did to Reagan or what, what he caused, uh, in her life, like what, ha- what went down between the two of them, um, you're gonna be like, "Wow, you're a you're a piece of shit, Rand," because you think like, because I mean, you kind of know he's a piece of shit, but like throughout the season, you're kind of led to believe that, uh, "Oh, okay, well, he may be kind of a piece of shit, but you know, he tries and he loves his daughter." But when you get to that scene in the finale of of the season, you're you're gonna you know sit back and think, "Wow, okay, no, this is you know, screw you, Rand. This is a real dick move," <laughs> but. um, uh, but yeah, it's uh that was a cr- that was a great twist though at the at the end of the season, um. So yeah, but yeah they uh, and I mean other than that that was uh, that was pretty much everything I guess that I wanted to say about the show, um, oh okay so let me, uh, the voice cast I really do like the voice cast there's some great uh talented uh voice actors and voice actresses here uh, John DiMaggio, who's, you know, been in pretty much everything from Adventure Time to Futurama and, and everything in between. He voices Glenn. Um, Andy Daly is the voice of the CEO of Cognito Inc., uh, J.R., who, when he first popped up, I thought, I'm like, is that Stephen Colbert? Because the design of Jr. reminded me of Stephen Colbert a little bit, but, But then I, as the further, the more he talked, the more I heard, listened to him, the more I'm like, oh no, that's, that's Andy Daly. Yeah. But he he does a great job. Uh, Christian Slater voices Reagan's dad, Rand. He does, he does a great job as well. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan uh, voices uh, Reagan. And uh, I'm like, why does that name sound familiar? And the more I listen to her voice, the more I'm like, I, her voice sounds so familiar, but I can't quite put my finger on who she is, like, what her voice is, and, um, and then when I, but, and then I just, and I looked it up just now, uh, she, uh, is the, she played Janice in Mean Girls, and then when I, as soon as I read that, I'm like, it clicked for me, I'm like, oh, that's why her voice sounded so familiar, okay, it all makes sense now, and, uh, so that was cool, because I'm like, I know I've heard her from, in something else before, but I just can't, place where, you know? And, um, oh, and, uh, Clark Duke voices, uh, Brett, the, uh, yes man, the, the new guy who, uh, J.R. hired to kind of co-lead the team with Reagan. Uh, he's, he's a good, he's a good kind of, uh, contrast in terms of personality, like with Reagan, like the, the two of them bounce off each other pretty well, where she's kind of like a little bit more serious and kind of, you know, socially awkward. And, and he's more, uh, and he's more, not dumb but he's like a little bit more naive and like uh just happy-go-lucky and 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 chill and he's also kind of a very very sensitive and caring you know um whereas regan can be a little bit more abrasive and and stuff like that but yeah overall i'd say that uh inside job is a really good uh netflix series it's another it's another good unique adult cartoon uh that i'm glad exists because it's always nice to see a new good adult cartoon, uh, thrown into the, the, uh, thrown, thrown into the mix. And, um, it's, you know, got a unique premise, uh, you know, great writing, hilarious jokes, uh, a great voice cast. I mean, like, you know, Janice from Mean Girls is the main character, which, you know, she was one of my favorite characters in that movie. And that's one of my favorite movies of all time. So that's freaking awesome. I love that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, you know they they all do a fantastic job. The animation's you know very fluid and smooth, which is what you'd want in a cartoon. And um, given how season one ended on that um, huge cliffhanger, uh, I fully expect and hope that this show will get a second season. That Netflix will renew it for a second season, and I honestly hope that it continues to go on for quite a few more seasons after that because. This show has a lot of potential, and uh, I could see it uh, lasting for, I mean, not forever, but for for a good while. Uh, So hopefully Netflix does keep renewing it for, you know, as many seasons as as the creator wants. So yeah, I definitely recommend checking out Inside Job if you haven't yet. If you like Rick and Morty and Gravity Falls and Big Mouth, uh, even though it's nowhere near as raunchy as Big Mouth... But uh, since it's a Netflix cartoon, I figured I'd add that. But if you like any of those shows, or if you like cartoons in general, I feel like you'll uh, you'll like this show a lot. Oh, and one more thing I forgot to mention. I really love that intro. Like, that is one of uh, my favorite intros I've ever seen in a, in a cartoon. And one of my favorite intros overall, I think. Because uh, I just, I love it. It's short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, it's you know, got great visuals. It's just an instrumental. There's no lyrics. It's just a hip hop instrumental, but it's, you know, kind of, but it's, it's got a good beat to it. It sounds catchy and the visuals, you know, what the intro shows pretty much tells you what the show's about. Like, you know, if you just watch the intro, I mean, you kind of get what the show's about. Um, And it's, uh, and it's just, it looks very cool. And it kind of, the intro reminds me of, like, if the show was on Adult Swim. It kind of gives me, like, an Adult Swim intro, like, uh, vibe. Like, that, the sh- if the show wasn't on Netflix, it probably would have, uh, been picked up by Adult Swim. Like, I could see me watching this show when I was a kid <laughs> on Adult Swim, like, late at night. Um, but yeah, so... I guess that just about does it for my review of season one of Inside Job. Um... And uh, now on to the second review of tonight But first, before we get to Season 5 of Big Mouth uh, Let's take a little break And we're back from the break So, um, I know that I said that last week that this review was going to be up on Friday But I recorded the first half And I was kind of tired So I just decided to um, wait until tomorrow or, Or wait until today and um and record my the rev, uh Big Mouth review, uh today and then just post the whole episode today. So if you're wondering, that's why this episode is coming out Saturday today and not yesterday Friday like it was like I had originally planned. So, um, but yeah. With, with that being said, uh, let's get on to uh reviewing season five of Big Mouth. So if you haven't seen Big Mouth, if you've never watched the show, it's um it is also a Netflix adult animated series, and it pretty much is, um, it's created by Nick Kroll, Andrew Goldberg, Mark Levin, and Jennifer Flackett, and, uh, which is a lot of creators for a show, it's four, you know, creators, um, but it's basically about, uh, these, uh, group of young teenagers, like 12, 13, you know, they're, on the precipice of being teenagers, but and some, and, you know, it's like 12, 13, 14, you know, around that age, and, uh, it's basically just them going to middle school and having to navigate their, uh, navigate going through puberty, so, like, you know, it's just them kind of, and, you know, the the whole show is just about them kind of, you know, finding out who they are, uh, you know, dating, uh, <laughs> Masturbating, <laughs> all that, all that delightfully dirty shit <laughs> that comes with being a, a a pervy teenager, but um and uh and you know and a uh, body image, uh what else, um, well you know just yeah pretty much everything everything and anything that you could think of relating to puberty this show tackles and um and it's uh. <laughs> It tackles, and and and, and uh, when I say dirty, I mean it is like one of the dirtiest shows to ever, you know, be released. Like to ever have been animated or voice acted or anything, in terms of like not. I mean, not. I mean, including live action shows, but but especially in like the realm of animation and especially in adult animated series, this is probably like you know the phrase pushing the envelope well th- th- this show takes that phrase it-, it doesn't push the envelope it completely incinerates the envelope with a fl- <laughs> flamethrower <laughs> that is how like shit insane and gross and disgusting and hilarious this show is and um and yeah, and, and like I said, even though it is it, even though it is gross, like it it makes sense because when you're dealing with kids dealing with puberty, you kind of expect there to be a little bit of gross out, and also because as typical with adult animation, there usually is a fair share of gross out. Not really to the point where it's like you know off putting, or at least to me, you know. But I could I could see how some people would find uh, the show disgusting, especially considering that there are instances where they show full frontal nudity. <laughs> and um yeah it's uh, i could see how some people might find that unpleasant um to watch it, but i mean it's not like it's constantly you know it's it's not like it's constant but I, you know i i totally understand if people feel disgusted watching the show but it um it, it's it, but i really do i really do love this show i uh w- it premiered like cuz it's in its 5th season so it premiered back in at the end of September of 2017 and uh, and when I first watched the show, I'm like, man, I can't believe they someone actually decided to make this show. And um, and what's funny is that, like, there's a lot of uh, okay, what, well, yeah, because uh, I was thinking that the entire time I was watching the first season, and by the time the, the season finale rolled around, there was a a line in the uh, at the end where, uh, well, okay, so the, there are these. There's this hormone monster, and I'll get I'll get to them in a second. But there's this uh hormone monster that uh was talking uh Maurice. He kind of follows the kids around, but he was uh talking to Nick and Andrew, and Maurice is like, Hey, maybe one day you guys will make something beautiful out of this and Nick's like or Andrew's like, what, like a show about a bunch of kids masturbating? And Nick's like, uh yeah, I don't think that would fly. And then Maurice is like oh yeah, shit, I, I didn't think of that. And he's like, well, maybe if it's animated, we can get away with it, right? And then they all look at the camera and then the credits start rolling. And and I love that because it, it does address what pretty much everyone who has ever watched this show or anyone who's even heard of this show has probably thought about at least, that, th- this thought, that thought has crossed everyone's mind at some point. Like I said, whether they have watched the show and love it, watched the show and hate it, and hate and hated it, or have only ever heard of the show. You know, like like because it, it's in its fifth season, so it's popular popular enough to where people, you know, probably like even if you haven't seen it, you've at least heard of it and are aware of it. You know, like they sell merchandise at Hot Topic for it and and all that. And there's pop Funkos of the characters. You know, so so it's obviously you know it's it's gotten it, it's it's had a few year, you know it's had a few years to kind of become you know as popular as like say Rick and Morty or BoJack Horseman you know but um but yeah like everyone has thought has had that thought about the show at some point it's like uh th- if this was live action there is no way in hell this show would have gotten greenlit <laughs> like this show absolutely had to have been animated because like i mean you know like th- the things that they do in the show and the things that they show in the show would not have would not have passed the radar if 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 these were like actual twelve, thirteen, fourteen-year-old children doing and saying these, you know, disgusting, abhorrent things to each other, you know. But um but yeah, so but uh yeah, so that's pretty much what the show's about. And um and uh the the creators, well two of the creators, uh Nick Kroll and Andrew Goldberg, uh they are the ones who, uh, their, their main characters, uh, they play the two of the main characters, uh, and coincidentally they're both named Nick and Andrew, although their last names aren't Kroll and Goldberg, they're, um, Birch and Glauberman, uh, but the two characters, the two main characters, uh, in Big Mouth, Nick and Andrew, uh, they are pretty much based on Nick Kroll and Andrew Goldberg as, uh, as children, because uh as as Nick Kroll uh has put it often has often put it in um interviews for the show he's stated that this show is very and I'm using this word you know I'm putting very a lot of emphasis on this word it's very loosely <laughs> loosely based on his and Andrew and his friend Andrew's uh uh childhood when or when they started going through puberty and um and yeah, and then everything else is obviously just like batshit insane and like cartoonishly over the top as you would expect from uh a show, an animated show about kids and t- uh, you know young young teenagers dealing with puberty, you know. And um yeah, so what I really love uh about the show is yeah, like I said, I love how it's I again, I love how it's not really afraid to tackle any issue and I love how just like like I said, just how absurd they can go, they can get with some of the plots, and, uh, just how, in a way, kind of how gross it can get, (laughs) which, again, like I, like I said earlier, I know that might not be everyone's cup of tea, and it's not like they do it all the time, but, you know, when they do, they, 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 they can get nasty, you know, (laughs) and, uh, but it, it is very interesting to, um, to see, like, all the different plots that the show comes up with, and, um, especially this season, like this season, uh, I really did enjoy this season a lot. It's probably one of my favorite seasons. And, uh, and what's interesting too is, uh, or what's funny is that the trailer for season five dropped, uh, about midway through October, um, or of this year, you know, last month. And, uh, I watched it and I'm like, man, this looks really good. Just as a, as a, as a season of big mouth usually does, this looks like it's going to be really hilarious and dirty as shit, you know? But, uh, but I hadn't actually, but I, then I realized I'm like, oh wait, I haven't seen season four. So for the last couple of weeks I've been, you know, slowly cause I didn't want to binge at all and then be like, oh man, now, now I've got nothing to watch, you know, but uh, I, I've been watching seasons four and five throughout the last couple of weeks and, uh, and season four was pretty good, but I think season five is a little better and it's probably, I don't know, it's, it, in a way it's kind of like the show keeps getting better and better but I could see how people might have their own favorite seasons of the show, you know, like because each season kind of does, you know, something different or they add like some new characters and, you know, they tackle different issues. While still while still, I mean, focusing on puberty, but like there's different like aspects and issues within puberty, you know, like I mentioned, you know, body image and um, and, you know, uh, pleasuring yourself (laughs) and, and sex and, and all that stuff, you know? So, but yeah, but this season in particular, it, uh, I really liked all the different plots, you know, or plot threads that were continuing from previous seasons and the ones that kind of got established in this season. And, um, and all the characters are pretty much, I mean, you know, if, I mean, at this point, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone has a favorite character. Um, Mine would probably be, Jay, Nick. I don't know. Nick, Andrew, Jay, and Maurice. Uh, they're they're all great. But uh, I like Jessie too. She's cool. There's not really one character I don't like. Like I said, there's like there's like a slew of characters in this show, and uh, ranging from the the kids at the school to the teachers to all the different creatures that reside in the puberty world, and and that's another and that's another thing I like about the show too. I love the different. Um, Uh, puberty characters they come up with, because like in the first season we had uh we only had the hormone monsters. We were first introduced to Maurice, the hormone monster, in the first episode, who um and he was cool, and uh and he was also voiced by Nick Kroll, the creator of the show, which is funny because he voices, because Nick also voices himself in the show. I mean, you know, not himself, not Nick Kroll, but Nick Birch, you know. But it's pretty much like I said, it's pretty much him as as a young young teenager you know and um you know so and and speaking and speaking of that uh the fact that he voices Nick and uh Maurice he voices a lot of characters in Big Mouth too like to me it's like almost amazing how many different voices that Nick can come up with like uh like to me he's like the Seth MacFarlane of Big Mouth because well i mean for two reasons one because you know, as I said, he's the creator, or in this case co-creator, of of his own adult animated series. And two, because he voices a slew, a plethora of characters, whether they're main or recurring, or even just, like, one-off characters in the show. And yeah, and, and besides Nick and Maurice, he also voices uh, Rick, another hormone monster who's this old, feeble, like, you know... Like disfigured looking hormone monster that it should have really retired at this point because he, <laughs> and uh, he voices uh coach Steve the very sad pathetic idiotic but over overly joyful, uh man that works as the coach at uh Bridgeton Middle School, and um he voices the Johansson twins, uh a rabbi at uh, the Jewish temple that that's in their town. Uh, there's a random ladybug that pops up every so often that's just called ladybug that he voices. So, and there's probably some more that I'm forgetting, but like he, oh, uh, oh yeah, duh. How could I forget? He also voices, uh, Lola. So he even does a female voice too. And, uh, and he, and you can kind of tell that it's him. I mean, and you know, and you can kind of tell it's a guy voicing him, but at the same time, it does, the way he does it, it does sound, you know, genuine enough. It does sound kind of like, oh yeah, this is it does kind of sound like that this could be a a woman voicing Lola, even though it's not, but, you know. Um, And also, I guess just if you have, like, a knack for, like, picking up on voices, you could kind of maybe hear it in his voice, that it is, I mean, you could kind of hear it in her voice, that it's Nick and not, uh, that it's Nick Kroll voicing her and not an actual woman, but, you know. But it's, but, you know, and that's impressive, too, uh, that the fact that he voices Lola. But, yeah, so... Voices a lot of characters, and the cast, the rest of the cast is great, too, because you've got John Mulaney playing Andrew, Nick's best friend, and, uh, well, Nick's best friend in the show and in real life. Um, yeah, so, uh, Andrew Goldberg doesn't voice his teenage counterpart, you know, his his animated counterpart in the show, but, uh, John Mulaney does, but, uh, Nick and John are friends, so that's kind of cool. Uh, Jenny Slate, uh, voices Missy, or she did up until the end of season four, now, uh Io Eddie Eddie Beery, Ed, Eddie Beery, I believe I'm pronouncing her name right, voices her. Uh Jordan Peele voices the ghost of Duke Ellington. Maya Rudolph is the female hormone monster, the hormone monstrous, uh Connie. Uh uh, let's see, Jason Mantzucas voices Jay, Jesse Klein voices well, Jesse. Uh and th- and there's a bunch of other characters, uh a whole you know uh shit ton of uh cast members that voice all the other characters and uh and there's so many interesting unique characters too and uh and, and and it's funny because they keep introducing characters in every season and uh some of them get more screen time than others especially the supporting and kind of background characters in a way uh some of them get you know more screen time than others but it's uh but i feel like everyone's had an, enough screen time to where you kind of get to know who they are you know uh, Like Caleb, like uh, he's just this like socially awkward kid who like states everything matter of factly. Like he'll be like the fire alarm will be going off and he'll be like, everyone, please run to the front of the school. The fire alarm is going off, you know, <laughs> and uh, and I and, you know, they use him sparingly. But every time he pops up, it's I don't know why he just cracks me the hell up every time. Just that just the way he states things. So, like I said, matter of factly and just the fact that he has like a rolly backpack he's just carrying that around and stare I don't think he ever blinks he just stares intensely at every everyone he talks to and he always cracks me up but uh but yeah that's what i'm saying like he's a he's kind of a minor character but like he he has a character that's in the show and devin and devon the 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 uh the popular couple at school who end up getting married divorced and then remarried <laughs> even though and they keep pointing out that they're children, pretty much. Uh, which is funny because like they're like they legit got married even though they always point out everyone points out, Oh yeah, they're children, you know, they're they're young teenagers. They're they're too young to be married. But uh but yeah, there's just the the, the entire cast of characters and, and the cast, the voice cast, all the voice actors and actresses who voice all the characters are great too. Um and uh but yeah so uh going forward like uh talking talking more specifically about this season in and of itself uh this season is uh, is is really good i really it had a real a good number of uh really great episodes uh the first episode no nut november the season premiere that was great we got a little voice cameo from kumal nanjiani who voiced himself in the episode uh <laughs> he had a funny he had a funny line and um and and some of the characters that didn't really get that much uh screen time in like season 4 like we we get to see some some returning characters who i wouldn't say they got shafted but they didn't really get as much screen time in like seasons 4 and 3 as they could have uh, for example, Allie, uh, who's voiced by Allie Wong, uh, comedian Allie Wong. Well, we get to see a lot more of her this season, which I liked because they introduced her back in season three and they haven't really done, they didn't really do a whole lot with her in season four. I noticed when I went and watched it as I was watching it a couple weeks ago, I'm like, they didn't really do much with her character this season. Uh, same with Gina too. Like, uh, we get a, a few like little tiny clips of Gina, but we get way more screen time, Dedicated to Ally than we do Gina this season, but she, like, like again, she was Gino was another character introduced in season two that we haven't really didn't really do much with after season three. Like she didn't really she hasn't really had a whole lot to do since season three, you know, um, which I guess is fine because obviously you can't focus on every character all at once and have literally every character whether they're a main or recurring character, you know, have an equal amount of screen time because that would be insane. That would take way too much. Time out of each episode if if every character got the same amount of screen time, you know, even if they weren't a main character, you know. But, uh, but I mean, that's just like a little minor nitpick. I mean, I'd kind of like to see them do a little bit more with Gina, like in the next season, in season six, uh, cause they have been greenlit for a sixth season. But, uh, cause I did like Gina in seasons two and three, and when she showed up in season two, but, uh, but you know, we'll see what they do. But yeah, um, but there there's so many great episodes. And and real quick before I get to the episodes, though, the I love all the uh I love that there because basically, like I said, there there are hormone monsters. We have uh, uh Maurice, the main hormone monster, Connie, the female hormone monstrous, uh or the hormone monstrous. Uh Rick, who's kind of like this he he's kind of every so often he'll go back to being there's like this recurring joke where every so often Uh, like if whoever's Nick's hormone monster at the time, if they leave, Rick will come out of retirement and just be Nick's, uh, hormone monster. He used to be coach Steve's and because coach Steve, you know, he spent, he took way too long to lose his virginity. Um, it, uh, Steve ended up sticking with him all the way until he lost his virginity and then moved on to Nick. And then, you know, uh, and then we have Mona who was introduced in season three, she, is basically, she's like this kind of spunky, sassy, British female hormone monster. And she's basically follows Missy around. She, so she's kind of exclusive to Missy. Um, but yeah, so, but on top of the hormone monsters, you know, they uh, they basically live in this world. It's not called the puberty world, but like, it's like this alternate dimension of just uh, basically called the hu- uh, human resources and uh it's which is kind of a clever name for it because it's uh filled to the brim with all these unique interesting creatures that each uh kind of have a control a different aspect of either puberty or emotions or you know uh you know just just a wa- just like the uh, you know uh creature that there's a creature that covers every uh aspect of the human spectrum Pretty much because, like, because on top of the hormone monsters, uh, you have uh, the shame wizard and the depression kitty who were introduced like back in season two. You've got Tito, the anxiety mosquito, and the gratitude, uh, the gratitude, the gratitude, who they were introduced in the previous season, season four. Um, and there's probably some more that I'm forgetting. Oh, this season we're introduced to the love bugs and the hate worms. Uh, in episode three, titled Love Bugs, we're introduced to Walter and Sonia. And, uh, and they're, and they're, and they sh- they're, they you know, have kind of a main role in this season as, uh, as they're both assigned by, by the higher up at human resources that, oh, Nick and Jesse are, uh, kind of have a crush on someone. And, you know, we're, we're led to believe that, you know, Jesse has a crush on Nick and Nick has a crush on Jesse. And, and, well, we know that Nick has a crush on Jesse, but then we end up finding out that Jesse has, um... Uh, a crush on uh, Ally, and that's um, very interesting to see that unfold, and um, and it was a good twist at the end because I'm like, oh shit, because I thought she was going to go with Nick, and uh, and they don't get to get, and Jesse and Allie don't get together, they you know Jesse doesn't tell Ally how she feels, but you know there there is kind of a sense of oh well that's like a plot thread that that might get resolved next season, and and you know and which is fine because you know obviously not everything has to get wrapped up in a full season. I mean, you can leave plot threads dangling to wrap up in future seasons. Like that's totally fine. You don't have to solve everything. You don't have to have everything come to a head at the end of a of a season. You know, you can have things continue in future seasons. But uh but that that was an interesting love triangle and the uh the Jay, Lola, Matthew love triangle was very interesting to see unfold and uh, that was that was interesting to see how that all, how that craziness all went down. And, uh, yeah, that was, um, the, the, and the, that love bugs episode, that was great. Uh, and, and what's cool this season, cause, uh, season three, we had a Valentine's day special. That was the season premiere, the season three premiere. And on top of that, it was like a 45 minute episode. So it's like, Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and then season four, episode nine was the Halloween special. And so I like that this season we had not one, not two, but three holiday specials. We had a Thanksgiving special. That was the fifth episode, just called Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, a Very Big Mouth Christmas, which was the eighth episode. And then we had the season finale, episode 10, re-New Year's Eve. So I, I'm like, oh, that's neat. We had three holiday specials all in one season. And uh, and uh, speaking of the Christmas special cause that, that was another one of my favorite episodes of the season was, uh, I like what they did with the framing device. Cause the, it's pretty much just a series of short Christmas stories. Uh, and what, and what they did with the framing device was it was basically, uh, a puppet version, puppet versions of Maurice and Connie set, setting up the, uh, Christmas stories like saying, Oh, Hey, you know, like Maurice comes out and he's like, Oh, hello there. We're going to tell you all some great stories tonight, you know. Like that that's his voice, like that's how, you know. But uh <laughs> but he's like, "Yeah, we're going to have some laughs, sing some songs and, you know, just have a good Christmas, you know." And and they and they're just like sitting in a cabin in the middle of this snowy mountainside and and they're setting up for a party and <laughs> and but but I what I liked, I'm like, "Oh, shit, this is cool" cuz like they haven't really like switched up uh, and tried different animation styles before. So I like that we're, I like that they, uh, went with puppetry for the Christmas special. That kind of was an interesting choice. And, um, or at least for the Connie, the Maurice and Connie segments, because the rest of the episode for the most part was animated in the traditional style of the show. And, um, and, oh, and then they also did kind of like this comic book style with, uh, well, Jay has this dog, uh, this Pitbull, who's literally named featuring Ludacris, which is a hilarious joke, because Ludacris is featured in a lot of Pitbull songs. But uh, but there was this one uh, story with uh, Luda, I'll just call him that, uh, Jay's dog, and it's basically a reverse John Wick story set during Christmas. His owner dies, uh, Luda used to be called Pretzels, but his owner dies, these Russian mobsters kill him in the middle of the park, and uh, Luda becomes this badass assassin wearing a tux and all and just kills the mob, and then he runs into Santa, and then Santa, and as soon as he runs into Santa, the animation style switches from like this gritty comic book anime type style back to the style of the show that the show is normally in, and uh, and Santa drops uh, pretzel, you know, pretzels at the time, he drops him off to Jay's house, and he renames him Luda, and I never thought we'd get to see the origin of Jay's uh, pit bull, but we did. But uh and then Lola's Chris Lola's story was in uh stop motion, which uh again, you know, for uh I don't know what their budget was, but I mean it it was pretty good stop motion. And obviously television stop motion isn't gonna have the budget of like a feature film like from Leica like or like, you know, the nightmare before Christmas or anything. It's not gonna look like that quality, but for for uh for the short like story that uh for the amount of time that they had for that little story and uh the models that they built, you know, in that story, they looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, so the I love the Christmas special. Uh the Green-Eyed Monster, episode 4, that was a great one. Uh <laughs> Andrew, I still like Andrew, but if you watch season com- comparing season 1 Andrew to season 5 Andrew is almost like like he is a t- an entirely different beast cuz Andrew went from like this nerdy, socially awkward kid who was, you know, like, you know, just kind of, kind of a, kind of a dirty, you know, but he was still kind of nice and he's, he's still nice, but like, he's kind of gotten a little creepier and like more perverted and horny (laughs) as the seasons have progressed to the point now where, you know, like this episode, and it was still good. I still laughed. It was a funny kind of albeit slightly creepy, but it was an interesting story. Uh, basically what happened in the, like a subplot in the episode is, uh, there's a, the, the students, uh, get a substitute teacher for one of their classes, uh, voiced by Adam Scott, who, when he popped up, I'm like, is that Ben from Parks and Rec? That, holy shit, that is Ben. And, uh, it took me a second, but when I was the more I listened to his voice, the more I'm like, "Oh yeah, that is Ben. That's awesome." And, um, but yeah, there there's this uh, Andrew ends up becoming, like it it's it's like he almost has an obsessive crush on <laughs> on the teacher, and uh, even though and you know and it's obviously creepy for several reasons, but it's kind of played fun. It's kind of played for laughs because you know, like obviously Andrew is, is, we know Andrew's taking this too far. Uh, and, um, but it starts off, it, it starts off kind of like, oh, he's just like, he wants the teacher to, he thinks the teacher's cool and he wants to be his friend, but then it kind of devolves into almost like, like I said, an obsessive stalker with a crush type of, type of deal. And, uh, and, and, you know, it, <laughs> and like I said, Andrew's just, balls to the wall insane in that episode. Um, again, I still like his character. He's just, he's gotten way more perverted and, and creepy <laughs> as the show and it as each season and episode has progressed. But, uh, but that was a good episode. And I, and I was cool to see, get a cameo and, and the teacher that substitute, he was only in that one episode, but it was cool to get the cameo, uh, from Adam Scott, you know, for one episode, but it, yeah, Andrew ends up getting him fired because, uh, he, he tells him, his, the teacher tells him, Hey, look, you're acting creepy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like you want to like be with me like sexually. And this is weird. And you're stalking me. And I have a fiance who I'm, ha- who sh- I love her. I'm, you know, we're going to get married soon. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. You know, you're stop what you're doing. This is weird. And then Andrew gets him fired, <laughs> just petty ass, you know, and, and then, and then the episode ends with, uh, the sub substitute teacher, you know, we cut to a few months later, he's about to go down on his wife, you know, that he carries her over the, the underneath the door there, uh, you know, like how the groom carries the bride and then he's about to go down on her. And then he looks up and, uh, <laughs> he, he's picturing Andrew over his bride's face. Like he's seen Andrew as his bride and I'm like, and it ends with him screaming. And I'm like, well, good job, Andrew. You just screwed up this guy's life forever. <laughs> I hope you're happy, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, so that was a good episode, and yeah, like I said, the plots with, uh, the subplots and the plots, you know, that occurred throughout the season were great, uh, but on top of the love triangles that I mentioned earlier, um, I loved, uh, uh, Missy and Nick end up, um, getting, um, uh, hate worms, which are kind of, which are basically love bugs that have kind of gotten the love sucked out of them, and, um, and they, they and they become they cocoon they die a cocoon forms over them and they burst out into and and turn into a hate worm and which they look more like snakes rather than actual worms but i mean that's it's fine it's close enough but uh, yeah and um and and so and that was cool and we uh and the the voice actors uh for the uh hate worm the female hate worm rochelle uh was voiced by kiki palmer she was Missy's hateworm. I thought she did a great job. And then I believe it was Brandon Kyle Goodman, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He voiced, he voiced uh well he was he voiced Nick's hateworm, who was originally his love bug. Uh but after uh Nick got rejected by Jesse, uh Walter, you know, grew to be more and more hateful. He got drunk, he dies, <laughs> and then he he you know, cocoon forms over him and he bursts out and becomes a hateworm and basically attaches himself to Nick, or, you know, stays by his side, and fills him with jealousy and hate for, like, you know, the back half of the season, and, um, but, uh, I think it was, let me look, I'm pretty sure it was Brandon Kyle Goodman, um, let's see, uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's who it was, and, um, and then the the, Actri- the voice actress for Sonia uh Jessie's love bug uh she did a great job too I can't find her name Well, anyway but but regardless they they both they both did good for being you know intro introduce- for them being introduced as new characters they did good and um and yeah I guess uh I guess that's about it oh yeah and and yeah uh, going back to the Christmas special real quick a lot of people were complaining that the Christmas special didn't really advance the plot because it was just, a, it felt like a distraction and it just cut away from the momentum in the story that was, you know, progressing throughout the rest of the season. And I get it because, you know, it did air like, it was episode eight and it was like towards the end of the season. But, you know, and, and people were like, oh, well, the Valentine's special, that actually like progressed the story and laid the groundwork out for like future events to come in that season and, and going forward. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, and I get that. And it would have been cool if the Christmas special did that. But, you know, the Thanksgiving special and the New Year's Eve special, I mean, those two episodes in this season, they did that. So in a way, I didn't really mind that the Christmas special was just kind of like, oh, here's some fun, funny stories to tell, you know, like kind of like the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. But, you know, with the Christmas twist, Uh, I mean, not exactly like that, but the gist of, you know, oh, we have a framing device, you know, a narrator. And then they're going to tell some stories and, you know, it's going to be holiday themed. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, and that was pretty much it. Oh, and I do love the finale. I love that, uh, cause the show often does throw in some like very meta fourth wall breaking jokes. As I mentioned earlier in the season one finale, when Maurice mentions, oh, maybe if the show's animated, we could get away with, with, uh, airing it. Right. And they turn and look at the audience like, haha, nudge, nudge, wink, wink that you guys just got done watching the first season of that, of what we just described, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but in the in the season finale, uh, Nick, after he uh, cuts ties with Walter, because he's like, you know what? I Screw you, Walter. I hate you. You're just making my life miserable. He ends up, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, Walter ends up, uh, him and Walter end up going to human resources. And he uh, talks to the person in charge. I'm like, oh, shit, sure, we've never met whoever's in charge of the puberty world of human resources. And when we met him, it was real life Nick Kroll. It was actually the creator, Nick Kroll. And I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome. Like, I was like, I legit like pumped my fist in the air. I'm like, hell yeah. That was, because I'm like, oh shit, that was a good twist. I didn't see it coming. I didn't expect it. And, uh, and I always love when cartoons break the fourth wall. And I always love whenever they incorporate like live action elements into, uh, into an episode or a scene. And, uh, it was just cool to see like the Nick that we followed throughout the, uh, the show meet his real life, uh, uh, adult self, you know? And, uh, <laughs> it was just cool to see them talk and the jokes they told in that. And, and that joke, and, and after they left, um, uh, Mar- that conversation him and Maurice had about, um, uh, about, um, uh, uh, the fact that Maurice thought he was voiced by Will Arnett. And, uh, <laughs> and as soon as he said that, I'm like, you know what, hearing Maurice's voice in my head again, or like listening to it again, I, I he does kind of sound like Will Arnett. Cause, Will Arnett does kind of have a deep, not foreboding, but, like, a deep, you know, some would say maybe intimidating voice, but, you know, he 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 does have a deep voice, and, you know, he's voiced Lego Batman, and the two voices kind of sound a little similar, except maybe Batman's is a little more groggly, you know, and, or gravel, you know, and, um, and raspy in a way, but, uh, that was a great moment, and the season ended on a good note with, uh, Devin and Devon getting back together, and, um... At their New Year's Eve party, and, um, which, I mean, they, full disclosure, they were a toxic relationship, and they probably shouldn't have gotten back together, but, and, uh, but I mean, you know what, it's, it's fine, I mean, that's, couples, uh, you know, that's, couples do that in real life all the time, you know, they fight, they make up, and they probably shouldn't get back together, but they do, and it's like, well, you know, good for them, I guess, but, but yeah, obviously, they were a horrible couple, (laughs) and. But they got back together for whatever for God knows whatever reason, and um but yeah, the Matthew J Lola love triangles solved uh Nick and Missy apologize to Jesse and Ally for uh being so hateful uh towards them throughout the you know the re- remaining throughout the previous episodes, and uh everyone just celebrates and has a good time dancing at the party and uh and it was a good way to end the season and and then the hormone monsters are all sitting at the bar uh, at, at, uh, Devin and Devon's house and, uh, or apartment wherever. And, uh, the shame wizard says, Oh yeah, we really put these children through the rainer this year, didn't we? And they're all just like sitting and Rick's dressed in a tux. They're drinking champagne. It was, it, it was a good note to end the season on it did. And you know, the season didn't end on a big cliffhanger or anything, which is fine. But, uh, uh, but it did leave me wanting more, as a season should, and I can't wait to see what they do going forward, uh, with season six, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do, and Netflix, please keep this show around for longer than six seasons, because I love this show, and I really do want to see it continue for longer than six seasons, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know, I mean, because I could see them definitely going maybe at least 10 seasons if they wanted to, but I mean, shit, who knows, Look, Family Guy, The Simpsons, and South Park have all been on for 20-plus years at this point. So, I mean, if they can keep it going and not really lose steam, or even if they have lost steam, even if they can keep it going and not lose steam, uh, then that's good. I mean, you know, but uh, who knows? It depends on if Nick Kroll and the rest of the crew, you know, the rest of the voice actors and creators and animators, if they want to keep it going... And it depends on if Netflix want to keep it going. I mean, the show's still popular, so I don't see why they wouldn't want to keep it going, you know? Milk that shit dry, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, hopefully it does. Uh, but, yeah, this was a great season. If you haven't watched the show, obviously don't start with this season. Go back and start from the very beginning and, you know, wait until you get to season five to start season five. But, uh, but yeah, so I guess that just about does it for tonight's episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed my review of season one of Inside Job and season five of Big Mouth. And uh, next week I will be reviewing the first two episodes of Hawkeye uh, the, and the South Park post-COVID special. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, Hawkeye too, but, but especially the South Park special. So I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend and I will see you guys next Friday. Take care.